Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast, featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by wellnessplus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Now here's your host, Certified Holistic Health Coach, Karina Rachel. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and I'm joined today by Robert Gardner. He's a massage therapist and yoga instructor. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. Thank you so much for having me again. So in this episode, I'm hoping that you can tell us all about headaches and hopefully offer some things that people can do to reduce headache tension, prevent headaches in the first place. Um, I would imagine this is something that you see pretty commonly as a massage therapist. Yes, very commonly. Um, When people come in with headaches, I have to ask lots of questions to be able to find out what the nature of the headache is, which means normally they break into three main categories. We have tension headaches, which usually massage therapists like myself can help. We have migraines, can be hit or miss and we have cluster headaches those three different categories have very different seems like causative factors tension headaches i think are the most common and then the ones that massage therapists can help with the most consistently Mm -hmm. to make matters worse some people are saying they have migraines but they're actually having tension headaches or their tension headaches are leading into migraines So they're almost like preventable in a sense. So it really depends on the person. And then I get to do the fun task of saying, oh, you have headaches. Okay, where do you feel pain when you have the headaches? Then I can see the anguish in their eyes when they go, ooh, I have to like focus on the thing I'm normally running away from. And I go, okay, you know, do you feel pain running up around your ear? Do you feel it behind your eye? Like, where are you having, you know, that sensation? Tension headaches, specifically from muscles in the neck um, that connect maybe to the base of the skull, the suboccipitals, extremely common. Um, I also see lots of people who will come in and they just, oh, their migraines are horrible. And I say, okay, are you having problems with your vision? No. Are you becoming nauseous? No. Are you, you know, experiencing, you know, other symptoms like sensitivity to light? No. That person just told me they have a migraine. I think they're having tension headaches. Mm. And I have to ferret some of that out over time. Um, I had migraines as a teenager that were horrible. And at that time, in sometime in the mid 80s, there was no help. I would literally lay down on a couch and cry for hours until I went to throw up. And then the headache would completely go away. The doctors told me at that time, they thought there was some sort of hormonal changes I was going through. And fortunately, they went away. I've not had a migraine in the last 22, 23 years, probably, fortunately. But when people tell me they have migraines internally, I, ooh, if, if it, an actual migraine, what I think of is what, you know, clinical sufferers experience. But most of the stuff that I see on a daily basis and most of what I run into is tension headaches. Mm-hmm. Those tension headaches are just coming from their nervous system. It's coming from tight muscles, usually in their head and neck. 
So what are maybe, I don't know, some of the causes of headaches? The headache itself, when I look at it from a massage therapist's perspective, it's always, you know, musculoskeletal stuff. A lot of people are just having chronic tension, okay? When a muscle goes into spasm and says, no, I'm not going to let go. I'm going to maintain all my tension right here. Eventually, it winds up sending a referred pain pattern through their head that they go, I'm having a headache. Mm. My whole job is to figure out what muscle that is, help make them aware of it, help them in session work on it, and then show them ways to work on that muscle when they're not in session to give them at least some modicum of control. So let's say you have headaches. Let's say those headaches spike to an 8 out of 10 on a pain scale. If you could still have headaches, but the pain's only at a 4. I take it. <laughs> exactly. And that's literally where I start. In many instances, people just don't realize how much head and neck tension they're holding because they've gotten to what their body's having as its own kind of homeostasis and equilibrium, which is being in pain all the time. Mm. Yeah. So when it comes to um, maybe like the most common muscles that are the culprits for headaches, is it possible to, to point to any like specific mm -hmm. muscles that, that seem to commonly, you know, and be... let's make it more complex. So let's start with the suboccipitals. The suboccipitals are a group of muscles that attach, I believe if I had my anatomy correct, they attach the atlas, which is the first cervical vertebra the first uh, neck bone that's below your skull and the base of the skull. They cross that junction. The suboccipitals on most people are inordinately tight. They're jutting their chin forward when they sit at the computer, which is shortening those muscles. And I know a million people listening at home just went, oh, that guy just pointed out what I do all day. <laughs> well, and that's the unfortunate thing about, yeah. you know, the whole forward head posture thing, which has become increasingly common. And I see more and more people talking about forward head posture. Um, and then, unfortunately, I think you, you hit the nail on the head um, in pointing out that this is something that is incredibly common that most people are doing as we start to like lean forward and then we crane the head forward um, and when you see those pictures of forward head posture I think for most of us we go oh my god that is what I'm doing yeah. um, so it's uh, unfortunate that it's so common but we're also kind of all in this together and the idea that uh, we want to work to correct that posture and of course we've made a lot of videos over the years talking about improving your posture and trying to reverse that forward head posture um, but I just want all of the people out there <laughs> to know that you know we're not alone in this it's incredibly common um, but there's a lot we can do right to help yeah. the situation if you follow the line through your head from your suboccipitals to almost your temples when people have horrible problems with their suboccipitals that refer pain kind of ghostly up almost like not behind the eye typically but towards the temples when people rub their temples and say i always feel it right here that's that point where i go back into their suboccipitals and start applying pressure there they can use a tennis ball to lay down on their suboccipitals to apply a little pressure one side at a time bilaterally if they want 
the suboccipitals are notorious because, again, they're kind of hidden. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't think, unless your headaches start at the base of your skull and wrap around your head, people just won't think about them because, well, I feel it in my head. I feel it in my temples. Why would I press on the back of you know, my head basically. Mm -hmm. And that's part of that referred pain thing again, where it's like, it gets to a point where I'm questioning what is a headache. Mm -hmm. I get headaches when I get uh, sinus problems, which is uh, allergy stuff. It's pretty notorious here in Austin. Fortunately, mine clear up when I take a Claritin, mm -hmm. but I'm also not holding muscle tension on top of it because I'm working on that other stuff. The suboccipitals are pretty notorious. They're mm -hmm. the top of the neck at the base of the skull. One of the other muscles that I see that most people are very surprised at is their temporalis. Temporalis is a huge issue for people who have temporomandibular joint dysfunction and people who have headaches. And there's a high comorbidity between the two. A lot of people who have TMJ dysfunction have headaches or migraines and vice versa. The temp the temporalis is a muscle that wraps around your temple, goes down underneath your cheekbone, and inserts on your jaw. So when I'm doing my, you know, nanu nanu, live long and prosper, when I split my fingers and work on the muscles on your scalp on the side, mm -hmm. I'll have people yawn. And the reason I have them yawn is to lengthen temporalis. It's a primary muscle used in mastication or chewing. Lots of people with headaches are having tension, tightness in their temporalis. They would never think to work on that muscle, and they'd have no thought that it was related to their jaw or clenching their teeth in mm -hmm. Austin traffic, white-knuckling it. Urgh. Yeah. Lots of people hold chronic tension in that area, and it tends to refer pain up around uh, the head, the sides of the head, the temples. Um, it's just one of those things where if somebody doesn't come over and rub your scalp, do you notice how much tension you're holding there? And I think the jaw is, is such an interesting thing because we know it's one of our like strongest you know muscles, but it's also one of those things that we... Um, we don't realize when we're clenching it. Like if you were sitting there constantly flexing your bicep, you'd be really aware of it. But when we're constantly clenching our jaw or grinding our teeth, um, and you made the kind of uh, example of when you're sitting in traffic, you know, we get into those times of stress, it's pretty common that we'll start clenching our jaw or teeth. And almost any time that I try to remind myself to like, hey, notice if you're clenching your jaw or not. Almost all the time, I notice that, oh, wow, I didn't even realize it. I don't even feel that stressed right now, but I was kind of clenching my teeth. I can definitely, like, relax this muscle. Mm -hmm. um, I also think about, um, like, people that wear glasses, or I'll notice that sometimes after I've worn sunglasses for a couple of hours, um, I'll start feeling a lot of pain right there where you were kind of touching, so kind of like side of the forehead, right above the temples. Um, and I just think, wow, for people that are wearing glasses all the time, that muscle must like get tired, you know? Um, it's additional stimulation, too, because of the skin stretch involved. Yeah. Um, it might just be pressure on that area just irritating a nerve mm -hmm. that's you know causing some issues fortunately temporalis is easy to work on yourself because you can just walk your finger pads up around your ears and mm -hmm. work on your own scalp 
Um, but lots of people, if they're having tension headaches, nine times out of 10, temporalis is at least involved. Mm-hmm. And it's a very large muscle that covers like almost the entire side of the, the skull. Interesting. So to kind of recap what we've offered here, you talked about um, massaging the suboccipitals mm-hmm. using like maybe a tennis ball yeah. or sometimes I'll take um, like not not too thick of a book, uh, but a hardcover book and then lay a towel over it. And I can kind of place that right underneath. The little groove, the little crook there. Yeah, yeah. The, like crook of the book or whatever, like right there on those really tense muscles at the back of the neck. Um, uh, holding the temples, releasing our jaw and noticing if we're clenching our jaw or clenching our teeth. Um, are there other ways you know, other than simply like massaging the temples or using your hands in that area, other ways that people could uh, help that temporalis muscle. I think the the easiest way for me is you could use a tennis ball, but the tennis ball to me is kind of sharp. Mm -hmm. The temporalis is thin um, along the side of the skull. One of the ways that I like to access it the most is if I have a foam roll, I will lay down on my side using the foam roll as a pillow Mm. and I'll put the foam roll right at temporalis above the ear, like just behind the temples. Mm -hmm. And what I'll do is I'll gently kind of lean my head into the foam roll and using my hand, grabbing the end of the foam roll, pull Mm. my head forward so that it's tractioning skin in a way i can also grab the foam roll and sort of press it kind of roll it up towards the crown of my head Mm -hmm. what i'm doing is i'm just grabbing that skin around my temples and pulling it one direction or the other to access that muscle the advantage to it is i'm doing it mostly hands free so i'm not creating any hand tension while i'm doing that Mm -hmm. i'm also able to hold it longer because most of the weight that you're delivering is just from you relaxing your neck and allowing your head to sink down onto the foam roll Mm -hmm. it's also very broad compared to the tennis ball. The tennis ball is pointy. The foam roll is pretty broad across that muscle so that I can grab it and work on it. I think that's the easiest way I found to access it. Interesting. Um, So we talked about suboccipitals and temporalis. Uh, What's another common muscle as a culprit for headaches? There's uh, splenius. Splenius capitis and splenius cervicis. They're two of the muscles that I would just generally refer to as your paraspinals um, in the posterior cervical spine. They often are causing some issues. When I have people work on those, it's more foam roll, meaning you use a foam roll as a pillow on your neck. You turn your head just a little bit to one side, so you're pressing on one side of the posterior cervical spine into the paraspinals. You're accessing splenius capitis and splenius cervicis, in addition to those other muscles like trapezius and uh, levator scapula. There are a lot of small muscles that overlap through that area, but splenius capitis and cervicis are two that I consistently see people are having problems with. There's 
sort of hidden uh, within all of those posterior cervical muscles. When we talked about that forward head posture, you mentioned that earlier. That forward head posture is coming from muscles in the neck and the front that are tight, but it's a little bit more dangerous to press in the front of the neck. What I have people do is put the foam roll in the back of their neck and then they tuck their chin, press the back of their head back. Because what they're doing is they're using that to retrain muscles in the front to let go, and they're actually applying pressure in the posterior cervical spine where it's safe. I wouldn't want you to lay on your throat on a foam roll. Ouch. Right. Yeah, you'd choke yourself. It right. doesn't feel good. But in the posterior, it's very safe, and you can gently turn the head to the side to be able to just access one side of the spine at, the, at a time. You're also accessing, as I mentioned, levator scapula, trapezius. When I throw out information if you ever get confused about particular muscle anatomy you can just look up as a reference you know neck muscles mm -hmm. and get a chart to be able to figure out what muscles I'm mentioning specifically mm -hmm. but there is a lot of overlap generally what I'm dealing with is the posterior cervical spine which means the back of your neck the back and the side mm -hmm. you're able to use a foam roll to apply pressure in there in a broad way you can always build up to using a tennis ball but that's more sharp I usually start people broad and then build them up to more specificity once they get an idea of what muscles are causing that tension. I just don't want people to feel confused when I use a word like trapezius. Mm -hmm. Most massage therapists or you know yoga instructors use that every day, so I have an idea where it's located. If you get overwhelmed, it would be like a mechanic talking about car parts. I'd have to go look it up. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there's a lot uh, to be gleaned from from taking a look at the anatomy and you start to like I know for me when I you know look at uh, you know anatomy of the neck or something I'll be able to almost like point to an exact spot and I'm like oh this is where it hurts um, and I think there's so much that we can uh, learn about our bodies by having a little bit more awareness of what's going on and then that also kind of unfolds a whole realm of um, either self-massage or stretching that we can do to kind of address that area based on you know having that increased knowledge you know sometimes I'll feel like I get headaches like right in the top of my head on either side what would be <laughs> what would be a, a potential correlated muscle? I am trying to think if I had a minute to do a quick search, I guarantee you I could point out what muscle I think it is because the way you describe that makes me think that there is a referred pain pattern, what most people would think of as a trigger point that refers pain there specifically, but I can't recall what muscle it is. Hmm. It is interesting though that um, we talked about this a lot in the previous podcast, you know, kind of getting into pain referral, that the location that you feel the sensation of the pain might not actually be the actual source of the pain itself, mm -hmm. the original cause of the pain. The podcast you are listening to was brought to you by wellnessplus.tv, a subscription service empowering you with everything you need to take control of your health and happiness. Sign up for your free trial today to watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to our extensive library, including hundreds of follow-along yoga and fitness courses, massage therapy tutorials, weight loss information, 
guided meditations, educational health videos, and so much more. Feel better, look better, and live better today by visiting wellnessplus.tv. You know, so we talked a lot about some of the common muscles associated with headaches. What are some other uh, tips or tricks that people can use for headaches? Headaches, unfortunately, are problematic because you can't really get away from it. You know, if you have arm pain, you can kind of forget about your arm. Mm. If you have pain in the center of your head, it just, you know, wreaks havoc. I think that it's getting um, a sense of what stresses you out and being able to try to get rid of that as much as possible. Mm -hmm. You and I have discussed previously, if you have chronic headaches and you figure out that they are tension headaches and you figure out that your temporalis around your temples is a huge culprit, go to your hairdresser and get your hair shampooed once a week. Your hairdresser will probably be happy to get the little bit of extra work, but having someone work on your scalp, work on your hair to release tension through that area, maybe something that keeps your headaches from going to a six on a pain scale and keeps you more at a four on a daily basis. If people reduce by that many points on a pain scale, it seems to me that they can continue working on it and it'll reduce even more, meaning that their quality of life goes up, their pain and tension is less headaches can be complex and it also means if you tried some of the things we mentioned and that doesn't work that's when i recommend people go see a doctor to find out what is actually going on i don't have access to cat scans mris I don't even necessarily consider myself a headache expert, even though I broke it down. Oh, there's cluster headaches and migraines. And, you know, um, compared to a doctor who focuses on that, my knowledge base is much smaller, uh, much more limited to what I see as musculoskeletal anatomy. But I see so much pain on people on a daily basis that has its roots in the, in the stuff that yoga and massage can help deal with. They have high stress levels, tight muscles. If I can reduce their stress level and reduce tight muscles, awesome, they feel better, then I teach them how to do that to themselves. Mm -hmm. What we think of as massage, when I talked about laying on a foam roll, using it to grab around the temple and then stretch various direction by shearing skin in various directions. When people get relief from that, they literally just cannot believe it's that simple. When I talk to massage therapists, they sometimes take umbrage because they tell them that I mash on people for a living. I joke about it because I really do think it's that simple. But it's also like saying that all a painter does is put paint on a canvas. Well, yeah, but there's an artistry to how you're applying paint and how that's done. And it takes practice and skill to be able to translate an idea from your mind onto a canvas. For lots of people who are having issues with headaches, I think that one, if it's unrelenting and the massage or the yoga is not helping, I do think they need to see a doctor just because I want to rule out any other factors. Beyond that, it's trying to figure out if there's any sort of pattern. So for instance, we talked about tension headaches because I can help with that the most. What people will often have if they're having migraines is do they have food triggers? If you're noticing, you know, food triggers, people have strange triggers related to like red wine, strange cheese, stinky cheese, you know, things that they can cut out of their diet that seem to wind up triggering migraines. 
like I said, migraines, cluster headaches, and tension headaches are wildly disparate. I'm more adequately able to discuss things like tension headaches because that's coming from tension, something I can help with. If they're having things like migraines, there may be causative factors like, you know, food triggers. But trying to figure that out also seems to be distinct from person to person. So keeping things like a food diary. They figure out, oh, you know, I seem to be having problems when I eat more processed foods, for instance. Um, I've heard some people talk about monosodium glutamate. I don't know how much research has actually been done on whether MSG is causing or is a food trigger for some people with migraines. Nine times out of ten, even what I think of as yoga... I wind up teaching people a very gentle form of yoga, um, a very gentle, slow, more like yin or restorative yoga that combines things like the tennis ball, foam rolls. Mm-hmm. It's funny to me because if I work with the yoga community, they always say it's massage. If I work the massage community, they always say it's yoga. And I go, it's what I do <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to relieve my own tension. You and I have both shared a scalp massage on various Psyche Truth videos. And I think because we have long hair that's curly, it tends to pull on our scalp in the same way you mentioned those sunglasses. Mm-hmm. There are so many small causative factors like that. So mm-hmm. look at it this way. Um, Let's say you have long hair. The hair is always tied up very tight in a bun. It's always turning and pulling on your scalp in one specific way. I can take someone and literally take their bun and go, okay, take your hair down, twist it the opposite direction. And they go, ooh. (laughs) Because it's having an effect on nerves because of the skin pull that's going on. And it's also going to have some, you know, effect on muscular tension. If you are a high schooler who has a backpack and you're always wearing a backpack and it's pulling on your shoulders in a certain way, Um, For instance, I'll go so far as to say when I worked in a kitchen, if they made us wear an apron, I do not like the feeling of that strap down over my shoulders. It almost gives me a headache just thinking about it Mm -hmm. because of that pressure, that stimulation right there. Mm -hmm. Um, The other portion would be when we talked about forward head posture, something I can think of commonly people can do. It's not just massage, it's also like strengthening exercises, which means if you're driving and you can comfortably do this and still keep aware of the road, if you tuck your chin and press the back of your head back into the face rest or head rest again and again, you're essentially doing a retraction. You're doing the opposite movement of jutting your chin forward and strengthening those tight muscles. What you're doing is pressing the back of the head into the headrest and tucking your chin repeatedly. You're able to strengthen the muscles that are weak, and you're able to hopefully lengthen and let the muscles in the front let go. It also gives you something weird to do in traffic if you're stuck in Austin. Well, I think that, you know, we've talked a lot about how the repetitive motions and postures are a big culprit because they um, are the things that we do without necessarily realizing it. Um, And simply by being in these recurring postures and doing these motions all the time, our body really starts to, um, to really shift and almost adapt to that way of sitting or to that posture so in that way we like perpetuate the effects and so you can think about something like forward head posture um you also have you know different postural things that can happen in the lower body um that just become more and more pronounced over time and can actually lead to pretty you know significant issues 
I think it's interesting that you mentioned, um, you know, having your hair pulled up in a certain way, the same way every day, for instance. Um, nine, times, nine times out of ten, if I'm having a headache, the first thing I'll think is, is my hair pulled up tight? And if I just take my hair down out of the ponytail or whatever, almost immediately I have so much relief. And I'm like, oh, my hair was just pulled up too tight. Um, I think it's so interesting how uh, we, we sometimes are looking for really complex solutions, um, but sometimes the most effective and pronounced benefits actually come from simpler things. You know, one of the things that actually hasn't come up yet is just drinking water. You know, there's so, so many things in our diets that dehydrate the body. We can talk about coffee, alcohol, sugar, etc., um, and then compile on the fact that people, I think, just aren't drinking enough regular, plain, pure water in the first place. Um, so many of us are just walking around kind of constantly dehydrated, um, and that, we know, can be a really big cause of headaches. So one of my other kind of go-to things when I start feeling a headache, drink a big glass of water. I'm also a big fan of drinking um, coconut water when I have a headache because you get all of those extra electrolytes, um, the electrolytes that kind of help your body to use the water the way that it needs to. Uh, so little things like taking your hair down, changing your, you know, if you have your hair in the same style every day. I've also seen this with people that wear um, baseball caps um, or certain hats all the time. And I would be like, oh, well, you know, maybe your hat is too tight. Maybe go a couple days without wearing the hat. And then suddenly they would notice their, their headaches got better. Um, so just starting to like bring our attention into these, what kind of seem like really little things, but can actually unleash a lot of relief for us if we just actually do them. You actually drink more water, actually, you know, notice your postures, work to improve your, your posture or just, you know, whether it's sitting up straighter or looking at the way you're walking or recurring movements. Uh, like I used to always kind of walk with my weight all on one side um, because I was trying to create the illusion that I wasn't so tall. And then at some point I decided, hey, you know what, Karina, you should just embrace that you're six feet tall, stand up straight, and just simply having that better alignment um, relieved a lot of different, you know, kind of like nagging backache and stuff that I was having. Um, so I think just you know, we, a lot of instances where we know what we should be doing, we just don't do it. Um, and I think there's so, so much pain and stress that could be alleviated if we just start, you know, making an effort to do those things. Um, and making time to take care of ourselves and work on our bodies. Sure. Even when we say, you know, work on our bodies, you know, movement stuff, so much of it for me always goes back to what feels good. And the reason I think I focus on that is if I say diet or exercise, it makes people feel stressed out. They have another thing to do they don't want to do. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What do you like to do? My body responds really well to water. I like feeling, I think, somewhat weightless. Mm -hmm. But it's when you learn to pay attention to those things that you can pick activities and movement. Movement is, is good, generally. 
And then when I say exercise, it's not so much like cardiovascular strengthening, li- weight lifting. I'm not even recommending a specific kind because I don't know what's going to work best for Karina. Mm-hmm. When Karina says self-care, okay, Karina's self-care might be dancing and going and you get her, her hair done once a week because she likes hanging out with the hairdresser and it rel- relieves her stress. Part of that self-care Again, it's like I laugh because I always go back to the biopsychosocial model. It's like, how are your relationships? Imagine going to see your massage therapist and your massage therapist says, hey, Karina, how are your relationships? How are you doing? It could be strange. It seems, exactly. (laughs) But the thing is, I actually have to go into that because some people are having emotional stress that's leading to physical stress. Mm. So the root of it isn't that they need a massage. The root of it is that there needs to be a change and they need to go hang out with their friends more. You know, if, if they're a guy... You know, I hung out with one of my friends last night. We had dinner and a beer or whatever. And it's like, I feel better because you connected with people. Mm. Holding tension because you're doing things in a repetitive way and not literally just not being embodied, not listening to your body's Mm. messages about, hey, uh, I think at about wing 20, I was good. Like, I don't need to eat more than that or whatever it is. Yeah. Mm. Basic embodiment, I think, comes from practices like yoga and massage. And they're two of the things that help me personally. So I tend to proselytize those. But if riding your bike, you know, walking your dog in Austin is the thing that really just excites you, then it's like, that's moving. Mm -hmm. That's like less stressful. Like uh, most people find their animals, their dogs, you know, less uh, stress from dealing with petting, hanging out with their animals. So just those sorts of things, those sorts of awareness, if you can increase that, it just increases overall well-being. You increase well-being, my first thought is you have less stress. Definitely. Yeah. And the more that we've, you know, kind of discussed uh, the pain science, the pain referral, kind of these different puzzle pieces, so to speak, um, there's this really kind of common thread that, you know, the, the nervous system uh, feeling that state of fight or flight, that stressed out nervous system, it's going to cause your muscles to tighten and cause pain. It's going to cause you to feel more stressed out and almost snowball effect where um, between the stress response and whatever physical issues or recurring movements or lack of movement, sedentary lifestyle, all of those things start kind of snowball, snowballing together um, and create, you know, a, a body that's just not able to function the way it's supposed to. And that manifests as uh, pain or stress or irritability or headaches or whatever, because pain is just a message from our Mm -hmm. body. Um, Sometimes I wish my body would just send me an email (laughs) instead of a headache. (laughs) Biologically, we did not evolve email. That came uh, much, much later. It is something people should look at. it's, It's like for me... A pain scale doesn't have a clinical measure. We can measure blood pressure. We can measure heart rate. We have a way of actually measuring that. Pain is very subjective. But if you're registering 8 out of 10 on a pain scale, you need intervention of some sort. Medical intervention, massage intervention, yoga intervention. 
it depends on where that's coming from. One, I want people to you know see their doctor and rule out medical stuff. But beyond that, there's a reason, again, that massage and yoga have exploded in the last 20 years in the United States because it's answering and solving people's problems. Mm-hmm. Stress, tension, tight muscles, all of those things. I mean, there's you know a, th- a thousand people listening to this podcast right now who wouldn't feel better after a massage right now can't think of anyone. Listen, I'm, I teach yoga. If I take a yoga class right now, I'm going to feel better when that class is over. There's a reason I teach it is because it's what I need as well. Mm. And I think that really, um, really points to, you know, kind of taking it back to what you said a minute ago about just the importance of movement, whether it's just stretching, walking around the block or finding some kind of physical activity you enjoy. Um, it was, I believe, Eric Dalton that um, had a DVD called Motion is Lotion, part of his myoskeletal alignment thing. But I, that has really stuck with me over the years um, because I think it's true certainly for our physical activity. I know that after yoga class, after stretching, whatever, I mean, you feel physically better. Um, it really is like the movement itself. Uh, creates not only more relaxed muscles, um, but simply increasing the circulation of blood, sending fresh fresh oxygen to those muscles. I mean, there's just so much that comes from just a little bit of movement, Mm -hmm. a little bit of stretching. Um, And unfortunately, the, the sedentary lifestyles that have become, you know, really, really common and with so many desk jobs... Um, the sedentary lifestyles, I think, has just become worse and worse. Like, the more we technologically advance, the more we're just sitting behind computers and we're sedentary all day. Hopefully, Um, at some point, the technology will catch up and we will have a different interface with the computer, but they're still working on that. mm -hmm. We'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash psychetruth, where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychetruth. That's patreon.com slash p-s-y-c-h-e-t-r-u-t-h. So, you know, we talked a good bit about tension headaches, um, touched on migraines, although I understand that is uh, potentially a very complex issue depending on the person. Um, and then the third type of headaches was cluster headaches. Can you talk a little bit about that? Or Clu- cluster, cluster headaches I know less about. Um, they're a little more murky. I don't know how much research has actually been done. Um, I have to say that again and again because I don't, you know, just complex issues. Cluster headaches, a lot like migraines, seem to have some sort of neurological basis. One of the things that came to mind was cluster headaches seem to have some issues with like people's nervous system firing in a way it's not supposed to. It's almost like saying they're having 
um, pardon my saying this, but almost like epilepsy. They're having some sort of firestorm in the brain that's not a normal, you know, physiological response. I actually started reading reports recently about people using psychedelics, um, microdosing psychedelics like LSD or mushrooms and saying that they were getting cessation of... Uh, cluster headache issues. Um, again, that's illegal. Uh, but, you know, if people are having, I mean, cluster headaches make people feel like they want to die mm. if they're bad enough. So people would be willing to do things that were illegal to try to get cessation, especially when there's they're poorly understood, their neurological mechanisms are poorly understood. People will do anything to get relief. Cluster headaches are the ones that are the most confusing to me, again, because of their neurological basis. Mm. Even the headaches that that I had, which I believe were migraines, I seem to have some sort of hormonal problem in my teens, which is what brought that on. And fortunately, they, you know, subsided as my hormones uh, leveled out and changed. Cluster headaches are the bad ones. I mean, cluster headaches, I think, would make people describe. So, yeah, it sounds like you're sticking an ice pick into my brain is, you know, how bad it feels. Mm -hmm. So if people are having those the other side of the equation is, let's say they are having cluster headaches. They're also having a physical response of tension that goes along with the headache or the fear that they're going to get the headache. So cluster headaches are the ones that I understand the least as far as like their neurological basis and what's actually causing them. They also seem to have a strong, um, along with migraines, a, st a strong hereditary uh, component. So it seems to run in families. I think with uh, migraines, they've said statistically they're more common in women uh, than they are in men. But again, I don't understand all the mechanisms, nor do, nor do scientists, about why people are having those specific headaches. Interesting. So what would be the way to know which type of headache you're having? Well, one, first things first, if the headaches are responding to the fact that you're doing some sort of massage or yoga, they're probably tension headaches. If you're having tension headaches that lead into migraines, but you find that your migraines now all of a sudden you're doing yoga and you're getting massage regularly and they're decreasing the severity, the frequency or both. Oh, wow. Are my, is my tension leading to that? The cluster headaches can be bad enough that nothing nothing helps them. That's why people are willing to do things like, oh, let me microdose LSD and see if a vasoconstrictor is, you know, you know, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. I mean, to do lots of research. But if, if you talk to someone and they say it feels like they're sticking an ice pick in their head, they're pretty much willing to try anything to get it to stop because their quality of life is so low. If you're not responding to massage or yoga. If you're trying the things that we mentioned and it's not working, that's where I think you need to see a doctor and you need to be able to figure out what's going on to be able to help those. If you're having, you know, something that's actually a neurological issue and I don't want to, I never want to pathologize or make people feel like they have an illness. But the thing is, if somebody has chronic ongoing headaches that you think have a neurological basis, somebody can have a brain tumor. Yeah. I mean, you can have things, you know, real medical problems that are out of the scope of massage and yoga that you need to get checked out, especially if it's going on in an ongoing way. Long term, I'm just trying to help people with suffering within the scope and practice of what I can actually deal with, which is soft tissue manipulation. But if people are having things like cluster headaches, that's where they need to see a doctor and they need to find a doctor who specializes in that to be able to give them, you know, 
help that is more specific to that condition because I just don't know what other treatments are available because that's not my area of expertise. Right. And I think that by and large, probably most people are experiencing those tension headaches. Yeah. Um, and certainly in terms of something that your average person who just occasionally has a headache um, is that then they're probably experiencing tension headaches. Yeah. Um, what if, you know, I've, I've heard a couple of different uh, numbers thrown out over the years of like what would be considered normal, healthy amount of headaches, like one to two headaches hmm. a year versus like. You know, is it considered? I don't know. My first thought is when I think about um, people having certain problems here in Austin, it's funny because when a cedar fever season is here, I can literally go to a pharmacy and all of their sinus medication is wiped out. Mm -hmm. They've literally almost cleared the shelves because so many people are having, you know, sinus problems. Mm -hmm. When I think about how big the headache aisle is, when it's like naproxen and ibuprofen and Tylenol and these yeah. medication after medication after medication, somebody's having problems. Yeah. Now, the root of those problems, I, I can't really say. I know that people just because, and I'm biased, like I'm like a police officer, right? Police officers are generally suspecting somebody's doing something wrong. Because they live in that world all the time. Mm -hmm. I live in a world dealing with massage and yoga where people have tension all the time. And I'm like, oh, well, everybody's problem is tension, right? <laughs> that, that's what I tend to see. But I don't really know that I have a number to say what's normal. It's like I don't remember the last time I had a headache that was not involved with sinuses, meaning allergy-related stuff. Mm -hmm. But I live in Austin. It's very common here. I don't remember the last time I had a tension headache, but I'm always working on myself. I'm always doing yoga. I'm always stretching, breathing, you know, getting massage. Mm -hmm. I know that people's severity of headaches and then frequency, or unfortunately the combination of the two severity and frequency is where it gets really bad. Mm -hmm. If somebody just has a random headache, I'd say that's, you know, par for the course for being a human on Earth and having, you know, normal physical responses to stimuli. Mm -hmm. If people are having them all the time, that's where I think there's more intervention that needs to be involved, which is possibly seeing a doctor to find out, hey, what's going on? Let's rule out. Are we having cluster headaches? Like, are we having an actual issue that's not just muscle tension? Once we've determined that, then we can continue to work on it. As far as like, I don't know, it's it's like everybody's normal is a little bit different. Right. Yeah. And that's what I'm kind of trying to glean, you know, because I, you know, heard uh, heard one physical therapist say like, oh, if you have more than one or two headaches a year, that's too many. And I thought, well, man, one or two a year? Like, I think most people probably have more than one or two a year. So then I was just, you know, I've just been thinking about it a lot, you know. So what's, and I understand the, the word normal is a really, like, yeah. kind of subjective, funny term anyways. But, you know, for the people listening, you know, if they're getting, you know, a headache once a month, is that, like, reasonably maybe okay? If it's, like, you know, two to four times a month. Now we're in the danger zone. Mm -hmm. If you're getting one every single week, then you're like, 
really in the danger zone. To me, I, I measured in frequency and severity or both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once, you know, let's say you have a headache once a year and it feels like somebody's sticking an ice pick in your head. You might want to see a doctor, even though it's once a year. If the severity is so the, strong. The, yeah, the severity is like, I want to go to the hospital bad, you know. Mm -hmm. But if, if it's very low severity and it's very low frequency... Well, then it's not it's not that much of an issue right. when people tell me they have uh, they're pretty sure they have migraines they are taking migraines medications they are actually seeing a doctor, but they're having those migraines three times a week and they're spiking to an eight. Their quality of life is diminished. They're having a headache every other day. Yeah. Yeah. Th to me, it's like, OK, you need to go back to the doctor, talk to the doctor and see if there are any options you know, that you have, if in fact it's neurologically based and you're having clinical migraines, mm -hmm. just because we're trying to get people to relief, your quality of life just diminishes horribly. Yeah. You have to shop, take care of kids, have a job with the ice pick in your head. Mm -hmm. That is a really bad situation. And that's why we talked about like cluster headaches. And I noticed that people were talking about microdosing, which completely blew my mind. I just didn't. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, when people are willing to do things that are illegal to get the pain to stop, yeah, we have a, we have an, a, a problem, you know, right. that our, our Western science and medicine isn't addressing on some level. Definitely. I think that it's just, you know, A, important for people to recognize that um, there can be external factors contributing to your headaches and just growing our awareness a little bit. Um, can can go a long way, you know. So you kind of mentioned um, stressful situations, or you know maybe you start noticing that you always get a headache when you're doing a certain thing or eating a certain food. Um, so much of our, uh, you know, kind of what's going on internally, you know, it feels like a mystery. We can't just you know, shine a light inside of our body and figure out what's going on. And I think that alone is, um, is such a source of frustration because, man, it'd be great if we could just say like, hey, what's going on with you, body? I can't tell you how many times I've asked, you know, why is this happening? <laughs> why are you doing this to me? You know, it feels like something that we're out of control of. Um, but it sounds like as our, you know, from this discussion, actually what we want to tell people is that you do have a great amount of control mm -hmm. in this. And there, um, you know, more extreme cases aside, there's actually a lot that you can do mm -hmm. to improve the situation and hopefully notice those different factors or those different triggers that you can start to avoid and then hopefully prevent headaches and I would have to say, and I don't have numbers on this, I would say 50% or more of the headaches most people are having, and I'm just making up a number here, nobody attack me for this, 50% of what I see in the American marketplace is just tension headaches. Mm -hmm. If you help with that 50% and reduce the frequency, severity, or both using things like massage and yoga, you've gonna, done a great degree to decreasing pain overall. Then doctors can go back and focus on, hey, we've got migraines and cluster headaches. What is actually going on here scientifically? Mm -hmm. Yeah, then we can deal with that as the research allows us to. And in the realm of um, functional medicine, there are a lot of practitioners now that are, you know, trying to get to the bottom of things like migraine headaches and, and even tension headaches from the perspective that, you know, what is going on within the body 
contributing to this problem. Um, and then the whole uh, philosophy of functional medicine is just restoring function to the body. So for the people out there who are maybe dealing with uh, those more intense headaches or they're even seeing a doctor to deal with them, um, if you're not getting what feels like solutions or answers, um, I would just recommend that you, you know, maybe find a doctor of functional medicine in your area because a lot of times, um, once they actually start looking at different parts of the body and kind of getting a holistic view of your body and how it's functioning, they might be able to, you know, discover that ultimate culprit where, um, a lot of times in the mainstream, maybe we're just being given pills or painkillers or something like that. Um, but I do believe that there's a lot we can glean from working with a doctor of functional medicine to actually, you know, nail down the, the actual cul culprit and maybe even seek to resolve the problem altogether. Mm -hmm. Tons, tons of options. I don't know as much about doctors of functional medicine specifically, but it's one of those things that massage therapists constantly have debates about in our community where we're not really always considered, except in Washington State, part of insurance and the medical community. Mm -hmm. It's like, why isn't your doctor writing a script for massage? <laughs> That's kind of what they're arguing about sometimes. Yeah. Because, well, it's a little more challenging to write the script because it's not scientifically researched as much, and then you can't systematically deliver the same massage every time through the same therapist. Right. I actually, um, I asked a doctor one time, I uh, was in a doctor's office, and I asked him, you know, why, why don't, you know, why, why doesn't the mainstream recommend things like, you know, yoga or dietary recommendations or whatever? And he said, we just don't believe the patients will do it. And so I kind of, you know, and I, and I can definitely uh, sympathize with where, you know, these doctors are coming from all day long. They're constantly, you know, dealing with these issues. Mm -hmm. They've got a limited amount of time to try and offer someone a solution. Um, and by and large, it sounded like they've just kind of come to realize that you can tell people to change their diet or do this or do that, but most doctors just don't actually think that people are going to go and do it. My first thought is I want to work with that doctor on their marketing and social media marketing because there's a huge market they're not tapping into. The other part is they've left a big open chasm uh, for massage therapists and people like me to fill to be able to give people answers. And when I say give people answers, I'm not talking about doing massage. I'm talking about using that foam roll on your you know, temporalis. I can show people in video how to do that and sell it to them and they think it's genius because there's a gap in our you know treatment so to speak for headaches mm -hmm. it allows people like me massage therapists yoga teachers to step into those realms mm -hmm. and then start to educate people and offer them solutions that we even get paid to do so it's like why do i even come here and do a podcast for psyche truth well, I get paid in some way. There's exposure. There's being able to reach out to another person who listens to this podcast, who follows my social media, who then decides they're going to work on themselves. We helped people. Yeah. Right. There are lots of ways that people can work on the problems that they're having okay. as long as they can figure out where it's coming from. That's why we recommended they go to doctors. When I talked about or joked about helping doctors with their marketing, it's like, why isn't a doctor 
you know, in Austin. Let me just give you a quick example. Why isn't a doctor in Austin talking to me as a massage therapist, getting a team of massage therapists and yoga teachers together to put together a treatment protocol that involves massage and gentle yoga for headache sufferers that they know is just tension headaches? Mm. There's money to be made. Well, <laughs> There's there... money to be made helping people. Mm-hmm. And there actually are a lot of practices, definitely here in Austin, um, where you'll find doctors and yoga teachers and massage therapists, you know, working in the same building, you know, just in that exact thing. Um, But again, this is kind of the difference between, you know, like a mainstream medical approach and the more like holistic functional medicine approach, where usually when you walk into, um, you know, either naturopathic or functional medicine doctor, they are inherently going to be giving you those other pieces of the puzzle and those other kind of self-care elements that you can do on your own as well. Um, Because I think that it's so important um, to not only teach people those things, but empower them to work on themselves um, and just know that we don't have to accept the state we're in and just you know, pop pain pills to get through it. Hey, there's actually so much that you can do to improve the situation and just help your body function better in the first place. So I hope that people will, you know, refer to some of the videos you've made on, you know, we've got videos on YouTube, on wellnessplus.tv, teaching people self-care, self-massage techniques they can do for themselves. um, And just, you know, see all of the amazing benefits there are right at our own fingertips. It's all about well-being. If anything, it's not having somebody whose headaches just completely go away. Um, I've learned to be satisfied with just helping people to be able to reduce the frequency, the severity, or both. Mm-hmm. Well, Robert, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today and sharing all of this information with us. Um, I always love having you on the program. All right. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. And I want to thank all of you so much for listening. Remember that you can find video versions of these podcasts over on wellnessplus.tv. I also want to thank our Patreon supporters for helping to make this podcast possible and helping to keep it free for all of you to listen and enjoy. Thank you so much for being here with us, and I can't wait to see you in the next podcast. The Wellness Plus Podcast, copyright 2018, Target Public Media, LLC, all rights reserved.